I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, we are going to do things a little bit differently today from how we would normally do it. I do not have one specific story for you, mainly because I don't have one specific story from this time period that is deep enough or rich enough in the testimony to occupy our entire time. It's astounding considering how short our time actually is. But I do have a lot of them. <laughs> so I will, in effect, tell two and give you a quote from one because there's just too many people to try to get through everything. So we are talking about the empire ship, the imperial reign of Valerian. So we are in the middle of the 3rd century A.D. Now, if you know your church history or even your world history, <coughs> excuse me, you will know that the 4th century, the beginning of the 4th century, is the legalization of Christianity in the Roman Empire, and then the end of the 4th century is the codification or the adopting of the empire, by the empire of Christianity. So we are still yet... 45, 50-ish years away from the legalization of Christianity at the time of Valerian. Now, I got bad news for you about Valerian. He's not nuts. Go team, right? I mean, it's the first emperor we've talked about that almost that didn't have, like, some major problems. And I say almost. I know we had a couple in there. He is not, um, not a power-hungry monstrosity, apparently, as was common during this time period. He was from a senatorial family. He ended up ascending to the Empire ship by almost by default, by just being really good at his job and being a quality administrator and kind of staying out of people's way and being the last one standing. So he does that. He rises to the rank of Empire. He's appointed by the army, uh, confirmed by the Senate, and here we go. The problem with good old Val here is he's not successful. He has to split the administration of the Empire between himself and his son. He handles the East. His son kind of handles the West. This will be important later on. This kind of becomes tradition. He later on becomes a prisoner of war of the Persians. He loses the Battle of Edessa. And this is kind of the beginning of the transitory period of, Rome, of the Roman Empire, where from here on in, it is predominantly, not always, but predominantly an empire in decay. Now, he begins his persecution in 257, ordering the banishment of all Christians. A year later, he ups the stakes of that from banishment to execution in 258. Now, this is a fun little note right here. The extent of the persecution. <coughs> Senators and landholders would have been forced to apostatize or they would be forced to give up their property be made slaves, and if they still refused, they would then be executed. The same was true for matrons in the Roman Empire. Matrons would have been landholding women. They were uh, being dealt the same offer, given the same fate. Civil servants were required to worship the Roman gods and forsake Christianity, as well as any members of the imperial household. <clears throat> 
Now realize the imperial household is not like the emperor and his family. It is the entirety of the people required to make that home run. Groundskeepers, wine tasters, food preparers, security detail, uh, accountants, everything. The imperial household was required to worship the Roman gods lest they be flogged and defrocked of their standing and enslaved, and then if they still refused, killed. Now, why is this an interesting note in history? Because realize how much persecution we've talked about, realize how brutal the persecution has been, and then realize that we have to specifically say in 258 that, yeah, go after the Christian senators as well. Go after the Christian equestrians. That would have been the Roman landed gentry. Go after the Christian matrons. Go after the Christian members of the imperial household. Go after the Christian civil servants. Christianity has spread not just through the lower ranks. It has spread into the middle, upper middle, and upper classes of society. <clears throat> now, if you read Paul's letters, you will see this goes all the way back to the apostolic period. But you would think persecution and illegality and some harshness would knock down some of that. You would be wrong. The gospel is succeeding in spite of Rome's best efforts. Now, what is Valerian's hit list? It's a good one. I mean, again, most of these have, I'm certain, amazing stories. I just don't have them all. So we'll start with Stephen, who was a bishop of Rome. He was executed. He was then replaced by Sixtus as bishop of Rome. And if you look through uh, church history, and a lot of times you'll start to see this man referred to as Pope Sixtus II because you're beginning to see the elevation of the bishops of various cities. You'll see throughout church history the bishops of the various cities will take on a a higher status, and the Roman Catholic Church likes to try to elevate the Roman bishop ahead of where he really belonged in that world, but you will, you will begin to see them referred to as popes if you do any reading on this. So we kill one bishop, the other one comes in, and a year later we get him killed. Lawrence, who was a deacon in the Roman Church and a famed teacher from all the way from Rome to Spain and throughout Europe, was renowned for his teaching. He was executed, and he, his quote is uh, a quote from Lawrence, who we'll use at the end of this. Romanus, who was a converted Roman soldier who then became a servant in the church. Um, his name is uh, Ostiaris, is how it's known in history, which means he was an ostiary, which literally means doorman. So this Roman soldier became a Christian and served the church by basically being a church greeter. Which, you know, if you're going to have somebody at the secure, running security at the door, a Roman soldier is probably a good one. Uh, Eugenia is also martyred during this time. She is the daughter of the governor of the Egyptian governor in Alexandria. So again, you're talking about church servants. You're talking about lower classes. You're talking about soldiers. You're talking about imperial families being affected by this. The gospel has spread. Persecution then spreads in line with it, and it spares none of these people. So. So whose story are we going to dive into today? We are going to talk about the 300, and no, we are not going to Sparta. We are going to Utica. Utica is in North Africa. It is north and west of Carthage. Now, there are apparently 300 Christians excuse me, in Utica who were arrested and brought to the governor. They were offered the opportunity to recant their Christianity, to offer sacrifice to Jupiter, and go home. Now, you know how this story goes, right? 
Yep, that's how it went. They refused. So they were taken to a and arranged in a circular manner around a lime kiln pit. Now, I've had to do some digging on this. They These are apparently still in use in certain places for the making of quicklime. Now, to put this in perspective, quicklime is a chemical process that occurs between 900 and 1,000 degrees Celsius. And if you're like me and you're an ugly American, you have no idea what that just meant. So it's a chemical fire that basically burns somewhere in the ballpark of low 1600s to mid 1800s degrees. So just under 2000 degrees in order to get this to function properly. These are normally small, but apparently in certain parts of the world, these are quite large. And depending on the scale of the construction project you're doing and what you need the lime for. So these Christians are taken from the governor and placed around this lime pit and told, you can offer sacrifice now or we can push you into the pit. And apparently there were some um, incense censers that were distributed. They were given coals and incense to offer an offering, to offer a burnt offering unto Jupiter, the head Roman god, so that they would then be spared. Well, these 300 Christians apparently refused and in unison voluntarily jumped into the pit. I mean, that's as close as the church gets to telling the governors and the emperors to bite me, but there you go. This is a weird time in the world. And when I say a weird time, I mean institutions are being shaken. The Roman Empire is on shaky grounds. It is raging. It is lashing out. Probably one of the main reasons Valerian instituted such a harsh harsh persecution was because... You're trying to curry favor with the idols of Rome. You're trying to curry favor with all of your broken, empty hopes placed in the Roman idolatrous system. And you do a lot of blaming of Christians who refuse to get with the program. So our quote of the day, this is good. Lawrence, the aforementioned bishop and teacher, was apparently de- it was demanded of him from one of the administrators that he show them the church's riches. The church apparently was starting to accumulate a little bit of money for the work of the poor and being able to set aside some things. And he prayed and asked for three days to give an answer, and it was given to him. And when they returned for their answer, <coughs> Lawrence had assembled a, a massive crowd of the poorest of the poor of the Christian church. And this is what he told the administrator. These are the precious riches of the church. They are the treasure in which faith in Christ reigns, in whom Christ has his dwelling place. What more precious jewel can the church have than those in whom Christ promised to dwell? Amen. This is the promise. This is the inheritance. Uh, Lawrence is arrested, he is flogged, he is tortured, and then basically burned to death. Why? Because his hope was in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is where we are called to live. This is where we are called to rest. And no matter what the world may throw at us, we are promised that the work of the Holy Spirit will be secure, that his comfort will be good, and that Christ will abide with his people unto the end, because he who perseveres to the end will be saved. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.